Jesus changes everything. That is the theme of the week. And each day, we're going to be talking about different things that Jesus changes in your life. Um, and the goal is for y'all to, th- this is why, this is, this is what I understand that y'all deal with because I dealt with it because I wasn't that long ago that I was sitting in a chair very much like that, listening to, uh, yeah, that one exactly right there. No, um, so a chair like that, listening to some weird middle-aged guy, just like me, try to tell me about what Jesus is trying to do in my life. And I'll tell you, the, the problems are not that different. The challenges are not that different. Um, it, may, it, may, it may have a different skin on it. It may have a different, uh, you may have a different vocabulary to it. But um, I do not want us to be half-hearted in what we do. There's so many times where we'll, I'll see one of, one of the teens that goes with us to camp. They will be all about Jesus during that week. And they're just worshiping and they're just giving good answers and they wake up in the morning and they read their Bible, you know, and, and Jesus changes their week. But then they go home and Jesus doesn't change that next week. They, they write back to the, to the old them, to the rude them, to the selfish them, to the lazy them, to the insecure them, to all these things that, that God changed in their life for that week. Jesus changed that week, but he didn't even change the month for them. I want Jesus to change everything. When you follow Jesus, right, it's not just your Sundays. It's not just a Sundays. It's not like, you know, Sundays in a week at camp and then that's all the Jesus you get. Jesus changes every part of your life. And I want to look at that more with y'all this week. And so I have, um, by the way, when I, when I, I'm going to throw some Bible verses at y'all this week. And I know that that's a lot to write down. And so I don't know if you've ever, those of y'all that are old enough to have been in church, big church on Sundays, my best advice is just write down where the scripture is, right? So if I say, you know, John 3.16, you don't have to write out for God so loved the world. You just write John 3.16, right? And the point is for you to go back later in your time in your small groups or by yourself and go either fill that in or just let it take it to you, let you take it to that spot in your Bible. Um, so I'm going to throw a lot of verses at you this week, and I just want you to write down the ones that you, that, that really hit you and, and feel like you want to uh, remember. So the, the the kind of big idea uh, for the the week. This is kind of the verse that we'll probably revisit quite a few times this week. Is Philippians three um, seven through nine. Uh, Philippians three seven through nine says this. I once thought, now by the way, let me give you some background here. In Philippians, the author who is an apostle named Paul, um, he was talking about his life before Jesus, right? And I don't know if you know anything about the apostle Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. Uh, God used him a lot to bring us uh, uh, what, what it means to follow Jesus. And he said, he said that before Jesus, he was popular, he was smart. He went to a good school. He got educated. He was in a, he was back in those days, he lived in Rome. So he was a Roman citizen, which means that he got a lot of privileges and stuff for being a part of Rome, but he was also a Jewish teacher. So he knew a lot about God and he had a pretty good life, right? And and in fact, he was so all about God's work that he would go around and if we had a little gathering like this of little Jesus people, he would come and burn the building down and kill us. 
Well, it's a good question. Why? Because they didn't understand who Jesus was. Jesus had not changed their lives. They, they thought that all oh, these, these Jesus people, they're, they're doing something that dishonors God, and they totally missed the fact that Jesus was God. And so, if we had something like this, the Apostle Paul would come and burn it down. He would take, they would, he might spare y'all, but, but the adults in here would be toast, right? We'd be in jail or we'd be dead. But Jesus came into his life. He was walking to this place called Damascus and Jesus came and appeared to him and like rocked his world. Like totally, he changed, Jesus changed everything for him. And he went from being all this high, popular, mighty, in crowd to all of a sudden having a totally different outlook on life. And, and this is what he said. He said, I once thought these things, talking about popularity and status and obeying all the, all the rules of the society that he lived in, were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage. By the way, you want to get, I know there's some 12 year olds in here. You know what the actual word for, the, for garbage is in the Bible? Poop. Dung. Dung. Refuse. He's like, I count every other thing as dookie, right? Compared to what you could gain in Christ. He said, I've discarded it, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and be one with him. For Paul, Jesus wasn't just the thing he does on the weekend the thing he does on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, it's not a tattoo that he, he gets to put so that he looks cool around his friends or, or whatever. Or, you know, have a, the Bible is not something that he just had in a prominent position in his house. I, know, I knew a family who had this big old Bible, right? With the, it was hardback with some really white Jesus, which, you know, Jesus wasn't really white, but he was Pantene Pro-V hair and, 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 and on the cover. And and then the, cult, the pages were, had that gold outline. You ever seen those really nice Bibles that looks like they're made of solid gold and stuff? Um, it was standing and you couldn't put a drink on it. You couldn't stack anything. Don't you put that on that Bible, right? But they didn't really live like it. They really, they, in fact, they were cussing and they were drinking and they were, they were being terrible to each other in that household, even though the Bible sat way up there because Jesus was just the icing on the cake for them. Jesus was just some, somebody, yeah, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, yeah, when it's convenient. Jesus is not supposed to be just an add-on to your life. Uh, he, he was everything else compared to Jesus, not saying that your family is garbage, not saying that your school is garbage, not saying that your hobbies and your friends are garbage, but when you compare them to Jesus, everything else should like not even come close. That's what it means for Jesus to change everything. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. The Bible tells us that without Jesus we live for ourselves, right? You are born to do, Hank wants to do what Hank wants to do. Titan wants to do, apart from Jesus, he's going to do exactly what Titan wants to do. But when we submit ourselves and we give ourselves over to Jesus, he changes all of that. And you're no longer living for that once you get saved. You're living for him. And having a relationship with Jesus 
right, where he makes you a new creation, which we're going to talk a lot more about what that means this week. Um, and you, and you, you grow in him, and you follow him, that changes every part of your life. Um, so today I want to look at how Jesus changes your identity. You see that on the top of your sheet there? You don't have to write that down. It's, it's up there as a heading. The first thing I want to talk about, also we're going to talk about it now, we're going to talk about it in our next session, is how Jesus changes your identity. Um, by the way, who, who can tell me what identity means? Anybody? Go ahead, Em. What's, what's identity mean? Who you are, right? When you have a, an ID, you know, if you, have a, if you all have a driver's license, right, it, it recognizes who you are. Your identity is not just your name, because guess what? You know, there's, there's more than one page in this world. There's more than one Tyler in this world. So there, your name is not just your identity, right? Um, the identity is who you are, who you associate yourself with, what gives you belonging in this world. So what are some ways, by the way, let's just think about the world. Let's just think about the life around us. What are some things that give people identity in this life? David? Uh, money, fame. Money, fame. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, that, that you're known as the rich guy, right? Especially if you are rich, right? That helps. Hmm? Popularity, belonging in like a social group, yeah, that, that can give people, you know, I, I know it's not the same as it used to be, but back in, back when we were younger, it was the jocks and the, you know, the, uh, the goths and the nerds and, you know, you had, a, you had a social group that you belonged to that gave you identity. I'm in the chess club, you know. Um, huh? Clicks, right? Yeah. Yeah, that can give somebody identity. Um, what else? Your job, your career, yeah, once you, especially once y'all, right now your job's school, so sometimes school can give you your identity if you actually like the school you go to, you know, you're like rah, rah, right? But when you graduate and you get into the real world, your job a lot of times gives you identity, right? Um, I'm a teacher, I'm, you know, uh, I'm a pastor, I'm a whatever worker. It's, it's, it's who you are, especially dudes. Ladies, it's a little less uh, pronounced, but it happens with you ladies. But fellas, you guys, you're gonna, when you get out into the world, that, that's just what you do, right? Your identity is in your career a lot of times. That's true. What about like hobbies, right? I, we get wrapped up in hobbies all the time. Some people are obsessed with fishing or, or sports or things like that. And you just become that guy or that girl that, that gives you identity. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, your, your gender or your more, more hot button stuff, your, your race or your political affiliation. I know only a few of y'all are old enough to vote, but when you get old enough to vote, by the way, you get on the internet, it is very divided between Democrats and Republicans and this type of this. And then even beyond that, people get a lot of their identity from that. But I want you to write down this truth uh, if you're taking notes. As a Christian... Jesus should be my identity. If you are a Christian, if you follow Jesus, then he should be your identity. That same guy, Paul, wrote Philippians when he, uh, 121 when he says, to live is Christ. It's not just Jesus is a big part of my life. He's really important to me. No, to live is Christ. The reason I'm here is Jesus. Y'all got that Sunday school answer, right? Where you say, what, any question that you get asked, you say, Jesus, Jesus. 
We're going to say Jesus is wrong. That's right. That's what I thought. Right. <laughs> but we, we joke about that. But really the answer to everything, if you're identified as a Christian should be Jesus. Um, he should be your identity. Not that you can't have a political party, not that you, 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 you have to pretend that there is no such thing as your race or ethnic background or something like that. But when you become a Christian, he takes over. He changes everything. And now you're in him more than anything else. And so in order to understand our identity, again, before we talk about any of the other stuff I feel like God wants us to talk about this week, uh, I want us to talk about how to recognize who God is and then recognize who you are. That's what we're going to make sure that we understand this week. We need to recognize who God is. And then this afternoon we're going to talk about recognizing who you are. So I don't know if I put this big idea on the screen here, but, but the big idea for this morning is this understanding God will help you understand yourself. You want to figure out who you are understanding who God is or understanding God in general will help you understand yourself. You hear all those, you, I see them on, on the TV shows that, we, that, you know, Emma and some of my other kids watch. Where I'm just trying to find myself, right? We were watching uh, Ms. Well, Ms. Marvel uh, on, on Disney Plus, that Mar the Marvel comic show, and, and she was trying to find her identity because now she's in high school, right? Y'all get into high school and it's just like, a whole new world to you, right? If y'all have not been there yet, you will, where you're like, oh, now I got to figure out who I am. Um, but we have to understand God because we will never be comfortable in your own skin until you, you have the backstory of who God is. And so you don't, again, this is a kind of, this is like eight verses, so we're not going to write it down and it's actually not going to be on your screen. If you have a Bible, right, you need to go ahead and get to 1 John chapter one. I should have told you to do that earlier. I'm, I'm shaking off the rust here. First uh, John chapter one, that's near the end of your Bible. Um, first, first, second, third John, Jude and Revelation. See those songs y'all been singing in kids church are going to like ring in your brain until you're old and decrepit like me. Um, first John one eight. Guess who wrote first John? John. Whoa. Oh my gosh. You guys are geniuses. Yes. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The Holy Spirit inspired John. Who was John? Do I know who John was? Which John we're talking about? John Cena? I just think of that, the, the one where the kid's playing the flutes with his nostrils. It's John Cena. No, that's not the John. Who's, who, who is first, who's the John we're about to, to hear from? Bueller. Baptist? Oh, that's what many people think, but eh. wrong, you big dummy. How you should know that. Oh, wait, you're, he's being, okay, never mind. Jake knew that. No, it's not John the Baptist. It's John the Apostle. It's John the Disciple. That was one of Jesus's besties, right? Um, John, Jesus had three best friends, sort of. He had James, John, and, and Peter. They were his inner circle. They were the, you know, the ones that he kept the closest. And first, second, third John, and also the Gospel of John was written by one of Jesus' best friends who knew him. In fact, if you read, I don't know if you've ever read like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so they say some of the same stories. Have you, have you ever noticed that? Like the, there's some repeat stories in there and you're going, wait a minute, didn't I just read this? But each one of them is giving a perspective of Jesus, right? And each one of them has a point. And 
And John was very close to Jesus. In fact, he kind of, uh, he, said, he said about himself, I'm the one that Jesus, he was basically like, I'm Jesus' favorite, right? Which, come on, like, it's probably not true. But <laughs> well, it's the one, he was the closest to Jesus, right? He's a, the, God, the disciple that Jesus loved, his, his, um, his best friend for all intents and purposes. Um, and so John really knew Jesus. Like, it wasn't just a story to John. John lived with Jesus. They traveled together. They ate together. They saw him when he had bedhead. Yes, Jesus had bedhead. He might have had bad breath. He was a human being, right? Um, we get this idea about Jesus that he, you know, just woke up in the morning. Oh, he didn't have to sleep. He just arose and his hair was always perfect. And he was, no, Jesus was a person fully human and while still being fully God. And so John knew Jesus better than most anybody else. And so he's going to help us understand firsthand who God is and how that affects us. So let's, let's read in your Bibles, 1 John chapter 1. It says this, it says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and, when he, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard. We have proclaimed to you what we have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Verse 5 says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There's a couple things I want you to write down. If you're going to know about God so that you can know about yourself, know number one, that God is real. I know, mind blowing. I went to church camp and, and the pastor says that God is real. If he's not, what are we doing here, right? God is real. Again, John was with him. And what John's point was, this Jesus is actually God and God is actually real. And one of the biggest challenges that you're going to be faced with is right now you're trying to figure out how you can believe in a God that you can't see or touch, right? There's a lot of people in your life that are going to go, give me proof that God is real. Who says God is real? Does he, does he sound like uh, Morgan Freeman, you know, does he, have you ever watched uh, Evan Almighty or uh, Bruce Almighty, right? Does he come to you in a burning bush? Does the clouds darken and a big face come in the clouds? What? This God, tell me that he's real. And there's a lot of people just like you who have good intentions that freak out in the fact that they can't see God because you, you want to be able to feel and touch and say, I'll believe it when I see it. I want you to write down Romans 1.20. Write that down on your, on your notes. Romans 1.20, it says this. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his, his eternal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. You want to know if God exists? Look around you. 
Common sense says that God is very much real. Uh, did y'all pay attention to the mountains as we were driving in? I, I, I don't know if you saw that, but there were some points in the trip where there's these big sprawling mountains. That to me says God did that. That's, that just didn't happen. When you go to the ocean and you see the waves, you hear the waves crashing, when you understand, when you actually pay attention in school and you start learning things about science and about how the world works, how, you know, how crazy is it that the stuff we breathe out, the trees breathe in? And then the stuff that the trees breathe out, we breathe in so that we keep each other alive. Like, that's awesome. That's a, that's a, I wouldn't have come up with that. That's, a, that's what they call an intelligent design. Did you know that if the world got, you know what an axis is, right? Have y'all studied about that, right? If the world was one degrees off in its axis, if the earth was one degrees off, we would all, we would all die. One degrees is not a lot, right? If we were, if we're, we're on the head of a, a knife and, and we're spinning, and if we just got off just a little bit, the, the crops wouldn't be able to grow, we wouldn't be able to have food, it would be too hot and too cold, and we would just burn up and we would be dead. God is real. The evidence, his fingerprints are on everything. Your body, I know you're uncomfortable with your bodies, but if you understand how your bodies work, how your, your muscles work with your organs and all, how all those things come together just perfectly to keep you alive, if you study your brain and see how, how intricate your brain is, you, you think a computer board is, is, uh, is complicated, Let's chop open your brain and see all the little uh, electrical waves that go through. That's tough. That's tough to just come up with. God is real and the evidence is all around us. And so it's going to be very easy for you to just forget that. But you need to know that God is real. You also need to know, number two, that God is good. God is good. Right? Right? Uh, actually, in verse 5, it says, God is light, in our, our, the passage that we just read together. It says, God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. Sorry, that's the wrong verse, uh, Rich. I may have put that up there. But um, Psalm 31 19, do we have that one? Psalm 31 19. Uh, I'm knocking the rest off. We're just, we're getting, we're getting that. So write down Psalm 31 19. It says, how great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come for your protection, blessing them before the watching world. God has so much goodness that he's, he's, he's storing it up. He's going to take a bucket of goodness and he's not going to just sprinkle it on Hank. He's not going to just dab it on Sarah. He's going to dump a whole bucket of goodness on you because he's storing it up because God is good, right? And he's not stingy with goodness. I remember uh, back when I was probably six or seven, my older stepbrother had a pack of Skittles. And I was like, oh, I want me some Skittles. Oh, that looks so good. And I was like, Andy, can I, have a, can I have some Skittles? And he's like, no, these are my Skittles. And my parents went, now you share with your little brother. And so he, he did, but you know what he did? He found half a Skittle. He went through, I don't know if he bit it or if it was just like a deform, but he's like, yeah, I'll give him some Skittles. And he gave me like a half of one. I'm like, thanks. You're so generous. You have lavished your goodness upon me. That's not how God works. God will give you the whole bag, right? God will give you more than you deserve and more than you need because he's good. That's what he does. 
In fact, what Mark 10, 18 says is true. No one is good except for God. You think you're good? I hate to break it to you. Compared to God, you're not. God is the only one that's good. Psalm 145, 9 says, The Lord is good to all and His mercy is over all that He has made. You need to get this down in your hearts, y'all. Because guess what? God's going to do something that you don't like. Has God ever done something you don't like? Not, yeah. That you didn't agree with, right? And in that moment, it's hard to say God is good. But if God is the only one that's good and he does it, is he still good? That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we say, yes, God is good. But then when he does something that we don't like, do we still believe that God is good? If you don't understand that God is good and all, all these, I remember growing up in a Baptist church, they say, God is good. They say all the time, all the time, God is good. Amen. Right. And you say that, but do you believe that? If you're going to understand who you are, if you're going to uh, let Jesus change everything, you have to on the surface, what you stand on every day when you wake up has got to be that God is real and God is good. And whatever he's got going on is good for you. One of the things that I'd spend most of my time doing these days, y'all know I have more kids I know what to do with, right? Emma was only the first and Right now, we, she's got a little brother named Oliver. A lot of y'all know, if y'all go to church with us, you know Oliver. And um, I spend most of my days killing his joy, spoiling his party. Because I'm trying to, I was trying to think, Emma, what the most recent thing he, he ran up and took. But he'll, you leave a drink out, he's like, Addie's what? Her sandwich. She takes sandwiches. She take, he'll take knives and spoons and like if he can get his hand into the utensil drawer there's been times where he's gotten before we had to reorganize the kitchen uh, he got a knife out right and was like yeah and he was so happy he's like I got a knife and I'm like no and so I I would take guess what he did when it when I took that knife away he cried he wasn't happy I was not, I was not good was I I made him cry I made him unhappy no I, I was good because he didn't know any better but I knew that that wasn't good for him. So even though he was mad at me and he didn't agree with me, I did what was good. Our heavenly father does things to us that we don't like, that make us cry, that make us aggravated, that make us mad, and yet he still remains good. Your opinion of God doesn't change his goodness. He is. And so we have to understand that. But the the last thing I want us to get, I know we're taking a while this morning, but number three is that God loves us. God is good, He's real, He's good, and He loves us. If you will, and we, by the way, we sing it, Jesus loves me, this I know. Right? For thou my bold tells me. All right, let's do that for the warm up. Uh, Jake's going to do a remix of that. Tomorrow, no. Uh, We sing that, but we have to believe that. And if you actually believe that, if you understand that you are not just created by God, but you are loved by God, that'll change everything. Look at, I'm going to, it's kind of a longer verse, but 1 John 4, uh, 13 through 17. You can just write down that passage and come back to it, but let me read it to you. It says, God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. 
Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the well, what's it mean to testify, by the way? Anybody know? Preach. Preach to tell other people, right? When you testify, you're telling them about it, right? We have, we're telling other people, we're testifying that the Father sent His Son Jesus to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God ha has God living in them, and they live in God. Verse 16 says, we know how much God loves us, and we have, this is key, we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God. So you can't really separate those things. And, we, and, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. The reason you exist, y'all, every single one of you, the reason that you're here, the reason that you draw breath, the reason that you're still alive is because God loves you. Even if nobody else does, which by the way, the enemy will try to tell you that no one else does. That's a lie. Right? There's people here that love you. But even if no one else loves you, you're here because God loves you. Because the only one that matters loves you. And you do this so God can love you. And he does this so that you can, he can love you and therefore you can love him. And what these verses are saying is you, you can't just know that he loves you. You got to trust in that. You can acknowledge in your head Yes, the Bible says God loves me. I should believe that God loves me. But if you trust that God loves you, that's going to change the decisions you make. That's going to change how you treat people, how you treat yourself, your, your view of your future. It's all going to change. Everything is going to change because you understand that God loves you. And you'll change how you live. What did that verse say? You'll, you'll live like Jesus did. Right? You know a Christian means like many Christ means little Jesus. That means that if Xavier says he's a Christian, then he should look like Jesus. He should smell like Jesus. He should talk like Jesus. I don't know how Jesus smelled, but you know what I mean. I heard that the other day. They're like, I love so-and-so. They just smell like Jesus. I'm like, I don't know if I'm okay with that. Like, I love Jesus, but they didn't have showers back then. So, I don't know. Did he smell good? I don't know. That's a question I'll ask him one day, right? Um, but you got to be like, like that is what it means to follow Jesus is to be like him. And you do that, you are set free to do that when you know that God loves you. What's the most popular Bible verse? I've already said it. John 3.16, right? Every, almost everybody knows that. By the way, if you don't know that, that's okay, we're not judging you. But even non-Christians, even people out in the world know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that would be Jesus, uh, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The why behind this comes into play. God, God loved the world so much that he gave us Jesus. And why he had to do that we'll talk about this afternoon. But it was God's love that motivated him to do this thing for you. It was his love for you that is at the foundation of who you are. Because without Jesus, nobody can love God like we should. And so, if you don't understand anything else about God, there's a lot of things about God that you don't know that I don't know. But if you know that God is real, that He's good, and that He loves you, then you have a chance to understand yourself in a healthy way, and, you know, and you'll have a, a, the ability to let everything else come out of that. Everything else flows out of that. Is, is, because guess what? I heard somebody say this one time and it, 
It took me a while to really understand it, but they say, you really only have two needs in this world, right? Some of you think I need new clothes. I need new friends. I need this thing. I need a car. I need a job. I need, there's really only two things that you need in this life. And by the way, that has nothing to do with someone loving you. Some of y'all think I got to be loved by somebody. If, if my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my future husband and wife, or if, my, if so-and-so doesn't love me, I won't have what I need in life. You need two things in life. You need to be loved by God and you need to love others. That's it. Everything else is negotiable. Everything else is optional. It's good. There's a lot of other good things. But if you have those two things, right? If, if, if Titan has these two things in his life, that God loves him, spoiler alert, he does. We've got that one checked off. If God loves you and you love people, <coughs> that's it. You're good to go. So that's the foundation we're building on this week. And so what, what we're going to do is we're going to go off into our groups. If we have time to do our group still, are we? And I, I've given you some questions. You don't have to use these questions, but the, whoa. Uh, but we, these are some, uh, these are some things that will help get the discussion started. Um, but any questions you have, any, any concerns, this is the time to talk about it with your group. And we'll keep going with, uh, this afternoon, uh, recognizing who you are with the knowledge of who God is that changes how we view ourselves as well. Okay. Anything else before we pray? Um, y'all awake? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's pray and then we'll go to our groups. Oh God, I thank you for being you. I thank you for showing us just how much you love us, just how real you are. Thank you for, for making it without a doubt, a fact that you are real and that you're good and that you love us. And God, I pray that you would plant that seed of truth down in every one of our hearts this morning. That if there's some of us in here that, don't, that are struggling to believe that you're really out there, that you would give them comfort, you would give them, uh, you would give them a, a sign that you're real. And for those of us that may be struggling with things that we don't agree with you doing, that you would help us to understand that you're good all the time, that you work out all things for our good. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to feel your love, that we would feel your love through each other this week. We would feel your love through the world around us, that through your Holy Spirit, you would help us to feel loved by you because that is, that is essential. God, we thank you for lavishing these things, giving these things to us. I pray that you would help us to have focus, unity, um, and love for each other this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.